Hi, I'm Adam Sanford. I'm an academic life coach and professor in Los Angeles. And I'm Dinur Bloom. I'm a college professor in Los Angeles. And this is Learning Made Easier, a podcast where we discuss how we learn and how we teach and how they overlap. Welcome back to Learning Made Easier. This is episode 103, Writing is Construction 3, the first draft. If you haven't listened to episodes 101 and 102 already, you might want to do that first so you understand some of the terms we'll be using in this episode and in episode 104. So at this point, you've identified the shared ideas in your sources by finding examples and creating categories. You've written literature review paragraphs to tie together those shared ideas and show how they'll and show how they'll help your audience. And now what? Well, now it's time to write your first draft and edit it so that it's organized and makes sense. The first draft. The format of most college research papers is an introduction that presents a problem and an argument about what causes it or what its effects are, a review of the literature for the first part of the argument, some analysis and application of the literature on that point, a review of the literature for the second point, analysis and application of that point, and so on until you're done with analysis and application. Then, normally, you'll present solutions to the problem, talk about limitations of your research, call for more research in areas as you've identified needing it. Finally, you have a conclusion that summarizes the paper, your findings, and where we need to go from here. This sounds like a lot, but you've already written at least a third of it by this point. So the idea here now is you're going to write in pieces. A lot of students say, oh, I got to start with the introduction, and then they stare at a blank page or a blank screen and going, I have no idea what to say. Well, of course you don't. You can't introduce what you've never seen. So start writing the paper with the understanding that you're going to be writing it in pieces and you're going to write the introduction last. Also, start writing it with the understanding that it will take you about a week to write the first draft if you're going to write one piece at a time. So on day one, take the literature review paragraph that you wrote for your first signpost. Using that as your starting point, write everything you think is important for your reader to know about that signpost. Include your citations so that you don't lose track of where the ideas came from. And things to include in this paragraph are things like, how does the research show what you're trying to talk about in the signpost? For example, if your signpost says that as poverty goes up, juvenile crime goes up, what does the research say about that? Don't get too detailed. We don't need to hear things like, in a city in Texas in 1979, they studied 90,000 people, and of the 90,000 people, 6,000 of them were in poverty, and of those 6,000 people, okay, you're getting too detailed, all right? Just give summaries, right? You basically say, we found in several places that as poverty went up, juvenile crime goes up, and then cite the source, Jones and Smith, 2010, right? And then you need to say why it matters. Why does it matter? How can you apply this to other situations that aren't the ones you were looking at in the research? Say, how does this help us explain a current event or a well-known social problem or a well-known historical issue? When you run out of stuff to say, stop for the day. Now wait a day or two and let your mind refresh. On the second day that you're writing, which may not be the second day of the week, write about your second signpost in exactly the same way. And then stop when you run out of things to say again and wait for another day or two to let your brain get a break. On the third day, 
write about your third signpost in exactly the same way. By now, you'll probably have somewhere between two and four pages for each signpost, depending on how much research backup you have. On the fourth day, write about solutions. Remember how you noted in your annotated bibliography that certain sources had solutions on certain pages? Go back and refresh your memory on those solutions. Then write a paragraph or two about how to solve the problem based on the solutions provided in your sources and make sure you cite those solutions and give credit to their sources. On the fifth day, write your conclusion paragraphs. Here's where you tie everything together. The main questions you need to answer in the conclusion are, what did you find? What does this mean for the argument? Were you able to support it? How? If not, why not? What limitations were there on your findings? How should we handle them? More research or understanding they can't be fixed or something else? Knowing what we now know, how can we put this knowledge to good use? Why do we care? Finally, on the last day, you get to write your introductory paragraph. The introduction is your map, but to draw a map, you needed to see the territory first, right? And so the format of an intro paragraph should be something along these lines. Tell the reader what the paper is about, so the topic and the argument. You could just say poverty increases gang delinquency. The intro, and then once you've told the reader what the paper is about, then tell them why they should care. This is commonly called a hook, and there are two main kinds of hooks. There's either shocking statistics or there's a human interest story about the thing you're talking about. So if we're doing shocking statistics for poverty increasing gang membership, then we might have shocking statistics like research shows that in the last five years, gang membership go has gone down everywhere that we've seen an improvement in the economy. But anywhere that the economy has gone south, gang membership has gone up. Okay, there's our shocking statistics and you cite wherever you got them from. Or a human interest story like Marina never expected her son to go into a gang. He was a good kid, he was a good scholar, but then she lost her job. And her entire neighborhood was hit by the economic downturn and suddenly her son and all of his friends were in a brand new gang. You can get these human interest stories by writing down what kind you'd like to grab. You wanna grab the reader's heartstrings, you wanna pull at their heartstrings. So you're gonna to go to the librarian and say, do you have a human interest story about poverty and gang membership happening around the same time, maybe somewhere local? And they will go to town on their research database and find you a newspaper article or two that you can use as sort of a source for your hook. Now, once you've got your hook, you still need to tell the reader what they will know at the end of the paper that they don't already know yet. Don't keep the reader in suspense. You are writing a research paper, not a mystery story. We are not being Sherlock Holmes here, okay? And you also need to remember you're targeting your argument to an audience and making that argument about the audience's goals. So that opening paragraph, the last thing that should be in it is basically your argument. This paper will show that A causes X, Y, and Z, and it will discuss two possible solutions. Now, there's no surprises. Your audience knows what they're getting. They know what you're gonna say. And how do you know what you're gonna say? Because you've already written it. That's when you write the intro. You don't write the intro until you've written everything else. And now, congratulations, you now have a messy first draft, but don't turn it in when it's still messy. Set it aside for at least 72 hours to let your eyes and your brain refresh. And then it's time for the second major step in moving from first to final draft, and that is editing. Editing your first draft. 
the real writing of most papers, essays, and books is actually done during the editing process. That's what we're going to talk about now. This is the time when an outline can really help you. Take your messy first draft and outline it from the second paragraph to the end. Here's what you want to find out about each paragraph. What's the main idea? Is there more than one main idea in this paragraph? What signpost is this paragraph supporting? Is it supporting more than one signpost? Do the main idea and the signpost go together? What you will probably find in the outlining process is that you've got some paragraphs that don't belong in the section they're in because their topics go with signpost two, not signpost one or three. Or you might find that in your write everything you know process of creating the first draft, you wrote two paragraphs that are talking about the same idea in only slightly different ways. Or you might find that you have two main ideas in one paragraph, which is a bad idea. Main ideas are like beta fish. They need their own space. Do not let them attack each other. Let them live separately and do their own thing. Once you've made an outline, make some notes on which paragraphs should be moved, which ones should be consolidated or deleted, and which ones need to be separated into two paragraphs, each with their own main idea. Once you've got that game plan on your outline, do the work of moving, cutting, consolidating, deleting, and yes, expanding to get the paper into better shape. Once you've done this, and it may take a few days, you have a second draft. Second drafts are more organized, which is really, really good. Now you can start polishing and getting to the final draft, which we'll talk about in episode 104. Now I can always tell when someone's turned in a first draft, mainly because it's not organized. And that lack of organization, <laughs> it's the biggest tell that someone wrote the paper the night before it's due. Students, please don't do this. Teachers can always tell. And then it's just an exercise in frustration to see where we can give you credit or even if we can give you credit. Most of us wanna give you credit, but we still have to justify it to our bosses. And if we show them the word salad that you turned in because you were writing frantically, just trying to get a thousand words into eight pages, it's not gonna work, okay? When I have students learn to use this method that we're talking about here of writing a paper, I still get the occasional written at the last minute first draft, but the number of those getting turned in goes way down and the number of decently written and well-organized papers goes way up and then scores go up as well. And that is awesome. If you run out of time and all you can do is use this method to organize your paper before you turn it in, you'll at least be out of the obvious first draft territory and that can make it more likely that your grade will go up. Throughout history and over the centuries, I have had students trying to use phrases like this as hooks. And whoever taught you to write like that in an intro for a research paper, I am extraordinarily disappointed in and mad at. Centuries? I thought you wrote for millennia. I thought you've been teaching for millennia. Go on. <laughs> of course. Right? <laughs> since time immemorial to borrow some of these other hooks. Whenever I get hooks like that, my first step isn't, wow, this is a really wide reaching problem. It's, you got a source for this? You, you can prove that this is a problem over history? Mm -hmm. Because it's never a specified time period. It's not since the 1930s or between 
1912, we saw this. It's always a very vague thing. And I think going through and organizing your thoughts helps you find better hooks that are rooted in facts, that are rooted in substance. In stuff that actually happened in a time period that we can comprehend. You know, I tell my students, do you really want to talk about comparing Michael Jackson to every pop music performer ever? You want to go back to Mozart? You want to go back to Beethoven? You want to go back to Ugg and Zog during the caveman period? Because your scope is not small enough. You've got this gigantic site. You know, you're, you want to talk about 18 shelves in the library and you're not even getting started. You have an eight page paper. And Ugg and Zog were just classic rock. They hit the clubs like no one else. They really did. And like you, like Adam, I can tell when my students submit a first draft, again, bad organization, a lot of typos. And I remember I have a horror story of one first draft of a paper. Let's hear it. I was working as a TA for a juvenile delinquency class and students had to write a six to 10 page paper looking at a movie, explaining what happened in it and applying it to the class. And I very explicitly told my students, I need to be able to see that you're connecting this movie to the stuff we're talking about in class because that's what the professor is looking at. And I can't go against him. The professor's my boss. Go with what they say. I had a student who was significantly older than me submit a paper that was four pages, all about the movie, nothing about class. They were the only paper that couldn't even reach five pages. And the only paper out of, I think, 75 or 80 students that didn't address any material in the class. I was upset by this. I can forgive mistakes. Mistakes are part of the game. But this was, to me, a student not caring. It was made worse because the grade they got, they tried to appeal. And I explained, here's where I graded. Here's why I awarded the score I did. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it was, it was written poorly, it wasn't organized well, and it didn't follow the instructions. And so it was hard. I couldn't justify a good grade. But had the student taken some time and said, okay, I've written about the movie. How do I connect it to theory one or concept one from this class and spend some time working on it? Then concept two, what does this idea mean? How do I apply it? It would have been a much stronger paper. They had words that were quite good. They had ideas, or they had a summary, I should say, but they never connected it to class. And because of that, they struggled. If they had given themselves more time, I think the quality of their paper would have gone way up. Mm -hmm. And I had a student in a social psych class early in my teaching career who used my process until the last four paragraphs. And then they just wrote in a panic the night before it was due because they weren't really following my directions, which was to have a complete draft first before you start editing. What they did was they would write their stuff about topic one or, or signpost one, and then they would edit it. And then they wrote their stuff about signpost two, and then they edited it. So they didn't follow the directions. And so as a result, what I got was something that was written in a panic before they turned it in. And the last two or three pages of this six or seven page paper made no damn sense. And it brought their grade down. And they admitted afterward that they were afraid to trust my method. They were scared that it would not work. And so they went back to their usual method of writing the paper the night before it was due because they were one of those students who said, oh, I write better under pressure. 
And then they, then I walked them through their paper and said, do you see how suddenly the quality of your writing and the quality of my understanding tanks out? It goes down. And they promised not to do it anymore. I don't know if they never did it again because that was their final paper for my class, but I was looking at them going, you were doing so well. Why did you stop doing what I told you to do? And it turned out that they just got scared. And so they went back to what was familiar instead of what would work. How students can use this. Your first draft should not be the draft you submit. Mm -mm. The first draft is you getting ideas on screen. It is you finding words to work with, though they may not be organized very well. Make time and take time to let yourself write your ideas down, refresh or hit the mental reset button, and look over for editing, for organization, to develop ideas, to see what goes with what. Give your paper to a friend or family member to read and see if your paper makes sense to them. If you're unsure about organization, ask them directly. Ask them if the way you wrote your paper makes sense to them as a reader, and if it would make sense to someone who does not know you. Go to your professor's office hours. Don't ask the professor to proofread your entire paper, but ask about parts you're unsure of. Things like, is my thesis statement clear? Did I find good signposts? Do these ideas make sense? Your professor is not your intended audience for the paper, but they are able to explain how to edit writing so that it's organized and clear. But if you don't make the effort to talk to the professor, there's no way to get input from them until there's a grade attached to the feedback. And teachers, the way you can use this is encouraging your students to write the paper in pieces, which goes against the grain of almost every writing class I've ever heard of or ever taken, because they all want you to start with the intro. How can we introduce what we haven't seen? If you encourage your students to write the paper this way, where they write the body paragraphs first, and then write about the solutions, and then write a conclusion, because now they know how to conclude, because they've written the paper, and then write the intro, because they know what the whole paper is going to be, this will get you so much better work than you might realize. When your students have the ability to just focus on the main point of one section of the paper, they're going to do a lot better work than if they're trying to juggle the introduction, the conclusion, the body paragraphs, the solutions all at once. And also, I know that many of you depend on turning an outline and then write the paper. Don't do that. That strips out all those great in the hot moment insights that often move a paper from the B range, which is good, to an A range, which is awesome. Outlines should only be used as an organization tool once they have words to organize. Don't ever use an outline as a planning tool. Don't teach your students to do that. The argument, that's the only planning tool they need here. The argument is, we're going to talk about how A causes X, then we're going to talk about how B causes X, and then we're going to talk about how C causes X. Have them write those three main portions of their paper, then have them write about the solutions they found in their work, in the research that they looked at, have them write a conclusion, have them write the intro, have them put it together as a messy first draft, and then teach them how to outline to get it organized. The argument is the only planning tool they'll ever need. So that's what we have for you in episode 103. If you're finding this podcast helpful, please share it with your friends. We're always hoping to get new subscribers so we can help more people. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Android. We're hosted on Blueberry.com. Also, we would really appreciate it if you wrote a review of this podcast on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to join us next week for episode 104, when we'll talk about how to put together that final draft.
You've been listening to Learning Made Easier, a podcast about how we learn, how we teach, and how they overlap. We want to say thank you to all of our supporters on Patreon who make this podcast possible. If you want to support us, please go to www.patreon.com slash learningmadeeasier. We look forward to seeing you next week.